The following broadcast is brought to you by Sons of God International and Freedom Fellowship Church. Hello, and welcome to the prophetic voice of our time, where we focus on the voice of prophecy, which is the testimony of Jesus Christ. Our host, Christina Sasso, is a senior pastor at Freedom Fellowship Church. Let's hear what she has to say to the body of Christ. Hello, thank you for tuning in. This is Joshua Sasso. And you are listening to the prophetic voice of our time. And I'm so excited that you are all joining with us this week. I hope that you all had a blessed and a wonderful 4th of July as we were all celebrating this wonderful country. And we have to continue to believe that the best days of America are ahead of it. They're not behind it. Because we need to always strive for higher and more glorious and greater. Just as Jesus himself prayed, thy will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. So that's what we should be striving for. We should be striving to make America heaven on earth. And we do that by seeking after the Lord and obeying him and implementing his ways of doing things in every arena. You see, there's a certain kind of mindset that's actually kind of common, both among Christians and conservatives, that I wanted to address. And it's this mindset of, well, things were better in the past, so we should go back to how things were in the past, right? We should just return back to how things were in the old days. But this is actually the wrong mindset. You see, when the disciples received the Holy Spirit, this was something unprecedented in history. God had never dwelled within men with us being his holy temple, right? It was always the Holy of Holies, right? And you had to be a special priest from a special bloodline to go into the holies of holies. And now the Holy Spirit itself was dwelling within men. So this is something that had never happened in history. Now, when the disciples received the Holy Spirit, they didn't try to bring things back to as in the time of Moses or bring things back into as the time of David. No, they ushered in a new era the likes of which the world had never seen before, okay? So, what this means for us today is that we look at what the Founding Fathers did, we look at what our predecessors did before us, even those in the early church. We should look at what they did, we should learn from how they lived, and we should strive to go even further than they did, even more glorious than they did, even more anointed than they did. You see, because the things that happened during the time of the early church with the disciples, these were things that people in the time of Moses or people in the time of David, they couldn't even dream of what was happening with the disciples. I mean, the Holy Spirit living within men, right? And any person not of a special bloodline, any person able to operate in miracle signs and wonders if they had faith in God and if they obeyed him. This is something that had never, ever happened, okay? So we're not trying to recreate the past. No, we're trying to create an even greater future than even has ever been in the history of the church. You see, what the Lord has said to us is that he's going to bring a move to America, the likes of which has never happened in the history of the church. And not only that, that America, our government, would be far more righteous even than it was at its founding. And many of the Founding Fathers, they were Bible-believing Christians. 
You know, George Washington, when he was commander-in-chief in 1778, while the Americans were still fighting the British during the Revolutionary War, he issued out general orders to the armies of America, and he said the following. The commander-in-chief directs that divine service to be performed every Sunday at 11 o'clock in those brigades to which there are chaplains, those of which have none to attend to the place of worship nearest to them, it is expected that officers of all ranks will, by their attendance, set an example to their men, right? So he's issuing an order to all the soldiers that, hey, every Sunday at 11, there needs to be service, and all officers need to attend and set a good example for those under them. He continues. He says, while we are zealously performing the duties of good citizens and soldiers, we certainly ought not to be inattentive to the higher duties of religion. To the distinguished character of patriot, it should be our highest glory to add the more distinguished character of Christian. The signal instances of providential goodness, which we have experienced and which have now almost crowned our labors with complete success, demand from us, in a peculiar manner, the warmest returns to gratitude and piety to the supreme author of all good. So these were general orders put out by George Washington himself to these soldiers fighting the British, saying, hey, all of y'all better make sure to attend service every Sunday at 11 a.m. because we need to make sure that we are honoring God. Even though we're working hard to be patriots, right? Even though we're working hard to be good citizens, it should be our highest glory to add the more distinguished character of Christian, right? This is just one of many examples. Imagine today, if the President of the United States issued out orders like that, right? But the Lord has said, if we the church will unite and we will focus on him, we will see our most righteous government that this nation has ever had even greater than its founding. So that's something that we need to strive for, guys. So we are not going back to the past. We are learning from the past. We are applying those things that were good. And we are taking things even higher and even greater. Okay? This is a very important distinction that we have to make. Because it is through our obedience that actually we can make it to where even those things that those in the past had faith in, we can be the manifestation of those things. In Hebrews chapter 11, this chapter goes through many of the people all throughout the Bible who had great faith in God. And he goes through Abraham, and he goes through Moses, and David, and all of these people who had great and marvelous faith. And then he says, go down to verse 32. This is Hebrews 11, verse 32. He says, And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, and Barak, and Samson, and Jephthah, and also David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith subdued nations, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to fight the armies of aliens, women received their dead to life again, others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. If you go down to verse 39, it says, And all of these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God having provided something better for us that they should not be made perfect apart from us. So in this we see 
those in the former generations are being made perfect along with us in the present generations. And an example that we see of this is in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit gets poured out on the disciples, right? It comes on the disciples, tongues of fire, they start speaking in other tongues, and they start getting revelations and all these amazing things, right? And what happens is as they're speaking in other tongues, people are like, oh, you know, they're probably drunk or they're probably this or that. But the Holy Spirit comes upon Peter, and this is what he says. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea, and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let it be known to you, and heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour in the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. Right? And on my men servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. See, so, this word was released by Joel by faith. He did not see the manifestation of this word, right? That God was going to pour his spirit out on all flesh. Joel did not see the manifestation of that word. But through the obedience and the faith of the apostles in the early church, Joel's faith became complete. And the reason why it became complete, the scripture tells us in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So Joel didn't see the manifestation of God's spirit being poured out on all flesh, right? But he had faith that it would come to pass. And it was that faith that was evidence of what was going to come during the time of the disciples, right? Because what is evidence? Evidence is a form of proof that something actually exists, something actually happened, right? It exists in reality, right? But here, Joel wasn't around for the manifestation, so it was through the apostles' obedience, Joel's faith became complete, okay? Because Jesus said to the disciples, look, you need to tarry in Jerusalem until you're endued with power, right? If they had not listened and obeyed to Jesus, they would not have been among those people in the upper room that got infilled with the Holy Spirit, okay? So, they were the fulfillment of Joel's faith. Now, it can be the same for us. See, the founding fathers, they had a dream and a vision for America, right? Where the people would be free, where they could worship God freely, and be dedicated and holy unto the Lord. You know, there's a quote from John Adams, who was one of the founding fathers and one of the signers of the Declaration of Independence. And this is what he wrote in his diary. He said, Suppose a nation in some distant region should take the Bible for their only law book, and every member should regulate his conduct by the precepts there exhibited. What a utopia! What a paradise this region would be! Right? So here is a man, he's saying, look, if if a nation were to set up all of its laws and principles guided by the Bible, and all the people there adhered to the same principles, that place would be heaven on earth. That's what he wrote. And so, this is one of many things that those who were at the foundation of this nation believed. 
And I believe that we as the church, we can be a part of the manifestation of the faith of our founding fathers. To where through our faith and obedience, we and those who came before us are all made perfect. Just as the disciples, through their obedience, took part in fulfilling the prophetic word released in faith by the prophet Joel, and those prophetic words released by David and many that came before them, we can also be the manifestation of faith and of prophecy and the promises of God through our obedience. That's what we should strive towards. But we don't strive towards it by yearning and longing for the past, right? Oh, if only things were like they were, they were in the past, right? Oh, we should make things, we should make the school system work like it did in the past. We should make this or that work like it did in the past. No, we should be led by the Spirit because God is taking us to new horizons that are more glorious, that are more righteous, and are more and more anointed for all of us. God is raising the standard for the church, which means that we learn from the past. We learn these are the things that were good, right? But we understand that God is taking us higher and higher and higher. This is something actually that the disciples had to wrestle with even in the early church. In Acts chapter 10, the scripture says that Peter had this vision. He had this vision of this cloth, and on the cloth there was pork, and there was, you know, shrimp, and all of this unclean food that was forbidden by the law of Moses. You see, and Peter had always been living according to the law of Moses, because that's what every Jew did before him. And that's what his father did. That's what his father's father did for generations up until him. And then in the vision, Peter heard a voice. And it said to him, go, get up, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, surely not, Lord. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice responded and said, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times. And immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. See, here Peter was coming up against something where in the past they had always done things a certain way. And not only that, God had commanded them to do things a certain way. He gave them a list of foods and said, you're not supposed to eat these, right? So Peter might well have been thinking, you get behind me, Satan, right? You're trying to make me sin against God when God himself was saying, right? I have made these things clean. Don't call that which I have made clean unclean. And we know after this, Peter goes to the house of Cornelius, a Gentile, and the Holy Spirit comes upon Cornelius and the entire house. And Peter has a revelation. He says, I now realize that God does not commit favoritism. Because in his traditions, he thought, yeah, well, the Jews are a special class of people. But here the Holy Spirit came upon Gentiles, unbelievers. He said, now what can stop them from being baptized with water? They've already been baptized by the Holy Spirit. So here, God did a new thing that had never happened in the history of the church. And it even seemed to go against the assumptions of traditions of the past. The things that God wants to do in this generation are things that the generations that came before us wouldn't even be able to imagine. They wouldn't even be able to conceive because it is so far beyond anything that they thought would remotely be possible. 
If you were to ask the generations in Moses' time, and if you were to tell them about the kinds of things that God was doing in Acts, it would have been so unbelievable for them, right? Because the thought that God would dwell within men, and not only that, normal, uneducated, lay people going around performing miracles, that was a thought that would be so far out of the norm that they wouldn't have even been able to fathom it, okay? This is where God wants to take us for this generation. The kind of move and the kind of anointing that past generations, they would not even be able to conceive it or even dream of it. But nonetheless, through our faith, their faith is made complete, right? So we're not recreating the past. We're not going back. We're learning from it, but we're going forward and we're going higher. Ever forward, ever higher. And I guarantee you, if God tarries for long, and there's another several generations after us, they should be doing things that are far greater and far more anointed than we are, because they have revelation that we don't have. Just as today, we have revelations, and we have the Holy Spirit that previous generations didn't have. We are far more blessed today. We have far more resources today, far more opportunities today. So, we should expect to outperform and do things far greater than those who came before us. It says in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2, Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on the tablets, that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not Terry, you see, we have received visions and revelation for this appointed time, things that were not revealed to previous generations. Just like in the early church, they got this revelation that Jesus didn't just come for the Jews. He also came for the Gentiles. This was such a divisive revelation that there was arguments in the early church about it. They're like, oh, well, do we need to circumcise the Gentiles? Do they need to live like a Jew? Do they need to eat like us? Right? They had all of these debates over how Gentiles ought to be treated, whether they should be part of the leadership, whether they should even be included in the church. They had to wrestle with that revelation. But because of their faith and obedience, right, we don't have to wrestle with those things anymore, right? We're able to take the revelation that God gave them and implement it and obey him. And now, we don't even have to think about it, right? There's no question about, oh, you know, if you're a Gentile, are you really a Christian? Like, can, are you allowed to be saved if you're a Gentile? We don't even have to think about it or worry about it. Because the previous generation overcame that issue. So, because that groundwork was laid for us, we don't have to wrestle with it anymore. And so it's only natural that since we have all of this revelation from the past and now the present, we should go far beyond our predecessors. So the thing that needs to change then, right, is that we as Christians can't be passive. Because the truth is, is that this nation has gotten into a sorry state because the church has not been doing spiritual warfare properly. We have not been implementing God's ways of doing things properly. Instead, we have been coasting along 
on the obedience and the successes of past generations. And because of that, rather than going forward and higher, we have remained stagnant and actually we have deteriorated. That's what needs to change, right? Because if we as the church had kept pushing on and kept obeying God and kept dealing with issues and kept implementing his ways of doing things, America would be in a far better state than it is today. But it's up to us. And that is definitely something that the Founding Fathers understood, which was that you have to fight for what's right. You can't just sit around and wait for things to change. You have to implement. You have to obey. And the truth is, time is of the essence. We should already be implementing these things yesterday. We need to be obeying God today. So you need to resolve in your heart that you are going to aspire for greater that you are going to press, that you need to decide for yourself, you know what? I want to be used mightily by God. And to do that, I will do whatever I have to do to seek God out and obey Him. We have to be active in these things. We cannot be passive. Only those that will forcibly obey God and really truly seek Him out are going to be a part of the leaders that transform this nation and go on to transform the world. And I really believe we can be a part of that generation. I know I want to be there, but we have to. We got to get that, some of that passion, guys. We got to get some of that energy up in here. In Psalms chapter 126, verse 1, it says, When the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dreamed dreams. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue was singing. And they said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. This is something I want to see happen in America, that there'd be such a move of God that would transform the very heart of this nation right down to our core, that all of our culture would be so transformed and the other nations would look out, they would see the blessing of the Lord and they would say, wow, the Lord has truly done great things for them. And they're going to say, wow, there really is a God in America. And you know what? I think I want to know that God. We have to lead by example, guys. So it is an exciting time for America. We have the opportunity to be one of those turning points in history where people look back in the historical timeline and they're like, yes, this is the turning point where there was a major revival that transformed the state of America and transformed the nations. We have the opportunity to be among those people that are at that inflection point in history. Amen? Well, I'm out of time for today, but before I go, let me pray with you. So, dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you, Lord, for the words that have been released today, God, and I pray, Lord, that it would really pierce the hearts of those who hear it. It would really convict them and that they would determine in their hearts that they would urgently seek you out and decide to obey you and begin implementing things in their sphere of influence today. In Jesus' name, God. And Lord, convict us of our sin, Lord that we would make ourselves holy before you because we have to make ourselves holy before we can go out and we can turn the nations towards you. So we thank you, God, of those things that you have promised over this nation, God. We believe your word. We will not give in to the bad reports. We will not give in to any doubt or fear. But we thank you, God. We believe your word that this nation will be saved 
This nation will be transformed and it will be righteous in the name of Jesus, God. And we thank you and praise you, Lord. And we say, God, it's going to be for your glory. And your glory is going to be made evident on this nation. And all other nations are going to be witness to it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Before I go, I just want to remind you that Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven is like this. It's like a man who discovered a treasure buried in the field. And when he saw it, he went and he sold all he had to purchase that field and gain that treasure. Why? Because he realized that that treasure was far more valuable than anything else he had in his life. This is the kind of energy and the passion that we need in the church that when you see a glimpse of the vision that God has for your life, you're going to determine in your heart, it doesn't matter what I have to do. I'm going to grab a hold of it. I'm going to chase after it so that I can get that treasure that the Lord has laid out for me. Amen. All right. Well, God bless all of you. My name is Joshua Sasso, and you've been listening to the prophetic voice of our time. Till next time, God bless you. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to the prophetic voice of our time. We really hope you were blessed by today's episode. And if you were, we want to hear from you. You can call us at 210-695-1630. Or you can email us at sogmi at outlook.com. That's S-O-G-M-I at outlook.com. And we really encourage you to visit our website, sogmi.org. That is S-O-G-M-I dot org. That's where you can listen to previous episodes of this podcast and even support this broadcast. We're supported by listeners just like you. So if you want to support this ministry, you can go to SOGMI.org and hit the donate button. You can also send a check to P.O. Box 1579, Lotus, Texas 78023. Again, that is P.O. Box 1579, Lotus, Texas 78023.